Welcome again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. I'm Pastor Travis Alltop, and it is a privilege to have an open Bible before me today on the table. We trust that you're getting some help from these lessons each week, and we ask that you would follow along with us in the Bible. Get your Bible open and read the Scriptures for yourself. On this program, as I have stated so many times before, we are interested in what the Bible actually says, not merely what men say that it means or thinks that it teaches. And so on this program, we want to show you the chapter and verse, and we want to get our bearings from the source of all truth. Jesus Christ said, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And we thank God for the word of God. It will keep you focused in the right direction. It will keep you aimed in the right direction, and it will guide you through this crazy world that we're living in that is going farther and farther away from the Word of God every day. I mean, things are getting crazy. And so I'm thankful to have a source uh, that God has given me in writing that will help direct my paths. I don't have to lean to my own understanding. That Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. This week, I'd ask you to turn to Isaiah chapter 3. We're going to deal with a very touchy subject, a sensitive subject, a controversial subject today. But it's only sensitive and it's only controversial because of what the devil has placed into the minds of modern-day Americans. And I want to talk about today the, the responsibility of men and the fact that God has given men the responsibility of leadership and authority in all spheres of life. And I will prove that from the scriptures this morning, and I'm going to challenge those of you men that are listening that will follow through with the next 25 minutes. I want to challenge you to examine what kind of leader you are and where you stand according to God. Let's look in Isaiah chapter 3. Begin reading with me, if you will, in verse 1. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1, notice what the Bible says. Isaiah 3, 1, the scripture says, For behold, the Lord, the Lord of hosts, doth take away from Jerusalem and from Judah the stay and the staff, the whole stay of bread and the whole stay of water. So right here you've got a city, the, uh, the city of Jerusalem. At this time that this is written, the people in Jerusalem and in Judea uh, were having uh, a famine. He was going to take away the bread and the water, and he was uh, bringing judgment upon his people of the Old Testament. And so verse 2, look what else God takes away besides the bread and the water. It says in verse 2, the mighty man and the man of war the judge and the prophet and the prudent and the ancient, the captain of 50 and the honorable man and the counselor and the cutting artificer and the eloquent orator. Now look at verse 4. Here's what God does to get his people's attention. He says, And I will give children to be their princes, and babes shall rule over them. And the people shall be oppressed, every one by another and every one by his neighbor. The child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable. Do you see what you're reading here? God is talking about the judgment that he's about to bring upon his people in Jerusalem and Judah. They had gone away from God, and so he says, I'm going to bring judgment. And one of the great judgments he was bringing here was not just the lack of water and bread, but it's a lack of men. Did you get that? It's a lack of men and their abilities to lead. Because the scripture says in verse 4 and 5 that children and babes shall rule over them, and it says that the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient. In other words, the young people are disrespecting the older generation. Is this, making, uh, is, is this drawing a picture into anybody's mind of where we're at in America? Now listen to me. 
Uh, those of you who know your Bible, I realize that this, this passage is not written directly to Americans. It's not written directly to a Gentile nation. But what we're looking at today is principle. We're looking at principles. That Bible did, does say, even in the Old Testament, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And I don't care what revisionist historians will say or what the local uh, professor thinks at the junior college. The truth of the matter is this country was uh, started by men who were born again, or at least if they were unsaved men, they were what we would call deists. In other words, they believed in God, they believed in a higher power, and they believed that you could uh, uh, get the moral laws from the word of God. There was a great respect for the Bible. There was a great respect for preachers at one time in this country. And if you will deny that, you are lying in the face of history, true history. You see, any, what I've just stated is a historical fact. I didn't say the Baptist started this country, although thank God for some good Baptists in the early days of America, men like John Leland, who helped get the Bill of Rights established before they would approve the Constitution. Read a little history. But I did not say that it was Baptist who started this country. I did not say that it was Presbyterians or Methodists, although both of those groups did have a great hand, especially the Methodists in their camp meetings. I'm not promoting someone's church, in other words. I'm simply saying that our founding fathers chose the God of the Bible to be the governing force in their setting up of this capitalistic republic. Now, if you're already upset, you're not going to do well the rest of this lesson. But I'm just giving you the facts. And the reason I'm saying that is because God has blessed this country. And when I read about how he dealt with his own nation in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, certainly I can learn some truths about how he might deal with America, who at one time recognized him and acknowledged him as the God of heaven, and America, who at one time was trying to honor his book by setting up a system that was based upon the morality found in the word of God. I did not say that these men were perfect or that they gave us a perfect system, but I can tell you that, amen, this country has prospered. And I'm telling you right now, it vexes my soul and it irritates me and agitates me to the core to see some of these professional uh, uh, thugs that play football and basketball and some of these people kneeling during the national anthem. My friend, if you don't like this country, try to go over to uh, England, try to go to India, go over to Africa and see if you can make $5.8 million a year playing a, a game. Could I get an amen right there? You see... We're in a mess, and if you don't like this country, amen, you've not lived in other countries, obviously, because America at this point right now in the day and age we live, while she is quickly fading uh, into the past, while she's quickly losing her authority and losing her blessing, nevertheless, this is still the greatest country to live in, and the blessings of God are evident, and I'm thankful to live in this country, and I don't like what's happening to this home country of mine called America. And I'm telling you, one of the plagues is the fact that younger, the younger generation has no respect for the older generation. They have no respect for the real heroes of this country. And the scripture says in the Old Testament here in Isaiah chapter 3, verses 4 and 5, one of the ways that God judged his nation in the Old Testament and would be a way, obviously, he would deal possibly with America today, is he takes away the men and he replaces them with children and babes. Look down at verse 12, and this one you're going to choke on, but it's still in the word of God. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12, 
God says, as for my people, children are their oppressors. Well, we just read that, children ruling over them, disrespecting the ancient, the older folks. He says, children are their oppressors. Look at it. And women rule over them. Amen. The, what I'm trying to point out to you is God set this thing up. Whether you like this or not, it's still the truth. And I'm going to tell you that in every area of life, God set men up to be the leaders. You say, what do you mean in every area of life? Well, obviously, the leadership of Israel had been turned over to children and to women. And that was God's judgment upon Israel at that time. So obviously, he had men in the position of leadership in the government. All through the Old Testament, the kings were men. God has also set up the man to be the leadership in the local church. When you read in 1 Timothy chapter 3 about the qualifications for bishops and elders and deacons, you read about them being the husband of one wife. Now, I know they're trying to confuse you, but around here, we still have some good common sense. And you can't be a husband unless you're a man. Amen and amen. So I'm saying that God set men up to be the leaders politically in a nation. He set men up to be the leadership in the local church, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3. You look it up, read it for yourself. And God also set the man up to be the headship of his home. He is the head of the home. Ephesians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll give you those references again. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3 through 8. God set the man to be up as the leader in the home. He is to lead. He has, he is to have the authority. Now, right here is where the devil gets people a little sideways. They say, well, preacher, I just believe that women are just as good as men. Now, wait a minute. Why are you saying that? I've not said that women weren't as good as men or better than men, sharper than men in some areas. You see, you've fallen prey to the God of this world and what he has put across and brainwashed society with. You see, the devil steps up and he says, well, that's not right that God set men up to be leaders in the government, in the home, and in the church. While you women are just as good, God never said they weren't. This is God's setup, and God knows best, and God knows what he's doing. You see, what I'm trying to point out to you today is that the devil has made you think that men and women are in competition with one another, and they are not. You see, God putting me in charge in my home is to benefit my wife and my children. And the role that my wife has been given is her unique role, and if I tried to perform her duties, it would be a mess. My wife is a worker. I wouldn't want the workload that she's under as a housewife and as a full-time homeschooling mama. Amen. I'm saying that God has given responsibilities and roles to both men and women. And when we get outside the boundaries that God has established, we bring in complications and confusion and problems that God knew we would create. But the devil has made people think this women's lib movement, which is of the devil, makes people think that, well, I'm going to prove women say, I'm going to prove that I'm just as good as a man. Nobody said you weren't as good as a man. God just gave you a different duty to perform. And so this spirit of competition between the husband and the wife, between the men and the women, and all of these things, this spirit of competition is what he has raised up, and it was never meant to be that way. You know something? My wife and I are a team. We work together. We complement one another in what we're trying to accomplish, and it is a wonderful thing. And you know something? 
Uh, it, we're on the same team is what I'm trying to say. Can you imagine uh, today if you were watching a, a baseball game and all of a sudden the shortstop called a timeout and he ran up to the mound and started arguing with the pitcher saying, I want to pitch these ne- this, to this next batter. And they're out there shoving and tugging against each other. And pretty soon, the, here comes the manager, here comes the rest of the ball club. And they say, what's going on? And the pitcher says, well, uh, he's wanting to, to take my spot. He's wanting me to play shortstop while he pitches. Can you imagine how ridiculous that would be? Well, that's exactly what the devil has done to men and women in this country. He's made you women think that you've been oppressed and that you're being abused because of the roles and responsibilities that God has blessed you with. And it shows a discontent and a rebellious heart against the God of heaven, your creator, when you begin to complain and bemoan your roles and responsibilities. The truth of the matter is that pitcher needs to stay on the mound and do what he does best, which is pitch, and the shortstop needs to get back out there, amen, next to the second baseman and field that next ground ball and turn a double play, amen and amen. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying that men and women both have unique roles and responsibilities, and we were never designed to compete with one another. But I'm going to tell you what we've got going on in America. Can you handle much more of this? I mean, we're only about 13 minutes into this lesson. And I'm here to tell you that this society is messed up because I'll tell you why we're in the mess we're in, in our churches, in our homes, and in our society, is not because of bold, brassy women, although we've got plenty of those. It's because men, are you listening? Men have dropped the ball. Men have forborne to fight. According to Jeremiah chapter 51, verses 30 and 31, men who won't fight, quote, are become as women. And men are not to act like women. The Bible speaks in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And one of the, one of the descriptions is the effeminate. That is men that act womanly. And the truth of the matter is the problem in the church, in the home, and in the country is we have, we have a plethora of passive men who will not lead and who suck their thumb and pout and who keep their eyes cast to the ground while the women call the shots. And can I tell you something? Uh, if you will not lead, you can expect that that woman is going to take the wheel. And if she's got the wheel and she's driving the bus, it's going to take a little while for you to get that wheel back, sir. You're not going to turn it unless you want to wreck the bus and everything else with it. Over there in the Old Testament, somebody probably is saying, well, Brother Alltop, didn't Deborah, wasn't she a prophetess? Didn't she lead Israel? Yeah, that's because God couldn't find a man. And the one that was with Deborah wouldn't go up unless she went up. He was a wimp. He didn't have courage. He didn't have uh, uh, grit. He had no... He had nothing brassy about him, bold, no alpha there. You see, the problem is passive men, weak men, and yet God has called men to lead. And if men won't lead, then women will lead, and you'll get the problems that you get when women lead. Now, let's get into some Bible, if you're still listening today. Because I realize that this is not a popular message, but it still needs to be preached. And my call to you today, and there's women, if they, listen, if you're a Christian woman, you're listening to this, you're amening everything I'm saying because you know it's right. Listen, I preached something like this one time, was on the internet for a while, talking about weak men, passive men, lazy men, lethargic men that won't make a decision, that won't lead. And you know, I got a ton of emails of people that were listening to that message. And I figured I would get chewed out by some women's liver or something, but instead, you know what I got? I got encouragement. And you know who mostly encouraged me? 
and said, keep preaching it, keep telling it like it is. I wish everybody could hear that. Most of the complimentary emails that I received were from Christian women who know their Bible, know the Lord, and wish to God that their husband or their pastor would lead and take charge and take oversight. Amen and amen. Because they love what they get to do. They love what they're doing for God. They love their role and responsibility. But it's hard for these women to do it when the man won't do what he's supposed to do. So let me just give you, I want to give you today three types of leaders in the Bible. And you find out, sir, which one you are. Turn, if you would, to 1 Kings chapter 21. Let's get back into the Word of God here. And I'm glad if you're still with us. Uh, this will go over real big, kind of like a, a lead balloon, but... It still needs to be preached. 1 Kings chapter 21 in the Bible. Let's read together. 1 Kings 21, look at verse 1. The Bible says, It came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard. Now, you know the story here. Uh, Naboth has a vineyard and King Ahab, the husband of Jezebel. You all have heard about Jezebel, and we give her a hard time when we preach, and rightfully so. But I tell you where the real problem started for Jezebel. She didn't have a husband that could control her. And so we're going to look at the first kind of leader that you might be, sir. Look, if you will, when Ahab went to Naboth to get his, uh, to buy his farm, if you will, to buy his vineyard, here's what Naboth told Ahab. Verse three, Naboth said to Ahab, the Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came into his house heavy. So Naboth told Ahab, no, I'm not going to sell my family's inheritance. I'm not going to sell the vineyard to you. Ahab wanted something and he was told no. In other words, things didn't go his way. And verse 4, Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. Oh, bless his heart. You know what he's acting like? He's acting like a little child. He comes in, he's pouting, his feelings are hurt, he was told no. So what's he do? He says, I'm not going to eat my dinner, and I'm going to bed, and I'm going to lay here and suck my thumb and pout for a while. So verse 5, look what happens. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad, What that thou eatest no bread? And he said unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and he said unto him, Give me, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel his wife said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? The answer to that should be, No, you do. Because this woman was running this boy's house, and I use the word boy intentionally. This is what we call leadership, we call this infant leadership. She says, arise and eat bread and let thy heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Look down later in the chapter in verse 25 and notice in verse 25, there was none like unto Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Watch it, whom Jezebel, his wife stirred up. So the first kind of leader is the infant leader. The infant leader uh, is a pouty, passive kind of a guy. He, when, he, when things don't go his way, he pouts and, uh, and, and mopes around the house. And his wife, who's really in charge, pulls his strings like a puppet and manipulates him. And the Bible says that Jezebel, his wife, could stir him up. An infant kind of leadership, infant men who lead that way, their wife controls them. And they usually have a very strong wife. Oh, listen, 
There's nothing that's a bigger headache for a pastor than to have a man who leads like an infant. Because typically those kind of men who are infant leaders have bold, brassy wives and they manipulate things from behind the scenes. When there's a problem, they inform their husband of what he's going to come to the pastor's office and tell him. And they've got all the answers and they anticipate all the objections of that pastor. And so they manipulate that little infant and send him down to straighten out the pastor. I can always tell when one of these men are sitting in my office because they're talking like their wife would talk. In fact, they've already been schooled on what to say before they ever come there. Amen and amen. I have seen men like this. You know what ends up happening? If this kind of man uh, doesn't run his house, he's an infant, you know what happens to him? He ends up leaving church because that wife gets sideways and she's strong and he's weak because he won't lead. And so she says, well, I'll tell you right now, I'm not going back to that church. We're finding us another church. And since he's an infant, he won't stand up against that kind of uh, that kind of attitude. And so what's he do? He limps into the pastor's office and he says, well, you know, I, uh, there's just some things around here that we don't like and we think that we would do better and we feel called. No, he didn't feel called. His wife told him what he was going to do. And I listen to me. Are you listening still? I've seen a good man that needed a good church leave a good church because his wife, like Jezebel, stirred him up. And since, and you say, well, that's her fault. No, it's not her fault completely. It's his fault because he won't lead like a man. He's an infant. There's a second kind of leadership as we look at this today. Are you an infant, sir? Do you make the, are you willing to face your wife and tell her, no, that's wrong. We're not going to do that. You're my wife. This is my house. This is my children. And we're going to do the right thing. Do you have the courage to do that? Or does she stir you up and manipulate you because you're a powder and you're passive because you're like a little kid like Nabal? I'm, uh, I'm sorry, Ahab. Just asking. Now, there's a second kind of leadership. If you would look at 1 Samuel 25. Let's get our Bible here and let's see if we, the Lord will teach us something. Ahab, a picture of infant style leadership. And now I want to show you a second type of leadership. This is the tyrant style of leadership. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 25. Look at verse 4. David heard in the wilderness. I'm in 1 Samuel 25 verse 4. We're going to look at a second type of leadership. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. So we're going to look here at a man by the name of Nabal. And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus shall you say to him that liveth in prosperity... And so basically David sends these 10 young men and asks for some help because he knew that Nabal's farm had prospered and he was asking for a little bit of help because they had been good to uh, him and protected him at one time when the army was around Nabal's property. But look at verse 10, look at Nabal's answer. Verse 10 of 1 Samuel 25, Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away from uh, every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed from my shearers and give it unto them whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. Now David was upset and David got 400 men and they headed down to Nabal's place. They were going to kill him. And they were met along the way by Nabal's precious wife, Abigail. 
Look at verse 23. When Abigail saw David, she hasted, lighted off the ass, and fell before David on her face, and bowed herself to the ground, and fell at his feet, and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be, and let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience, and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial. Belial is a name for the devil. She said, Even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. His name means folly or fool. As his name is, she said, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, thy handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord whom thou didst send. So what we have here is a tyrant. This man's a dictator. And I'll bet some of you, when I started this lesson, you thought, oh, you just think men ought to rule and dictate and run everything. No men are called upon with the responsibility of leadership but these are the kind of leaders you don't want. You don't want an infant-style leader, and you don't want this second type, which is a tyrant. Somebody who, amen, just cannot handle the responsibilities that they have, and everything they do, they do uh, with a ruling with an iron hand. In other words, they're jerks, and they're hard to live with. Maybe you ladies have had a husband like that. Maybe you've got one like that. God help you. God bless you. Maybe you've got a boss that is like that. I don't know, but tyrant-type leadership is bad news because the tyrant only wants what's best for himself because the Bible talks about the Gentiles. If you look over in Luke chapter 22, I believe it is, Luke chapter 22, listen to this. The Bible says there was also a strife among them, talking about the disciples, of which of them should be accounted the greatest. And here's what Jesus said unto them. The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. In other words, these leaders, these kings of the Gentiles that Jesus Christ is referring to, they are in the role of leader. They're kings. They're government leadership. That's what they are. But it says that their lordship and their authority make them benefactors. In other words, they're in charge and they benefit by what they make the people underneath them do. It's not about the benefit of the people they are leading and lording over. It's about their benefit and a tyrant dictator type leadership. That's what you get. It's no fun to be under those kinds of leaders. Sir, I hope you're not a tyrant. You know, every time I sit down with a man who begins to tell me right off the bat, Brother Altop, I run my home, I know immediately when he says that that he does not. Y'all remember that uh, show years ago on TV called The Dukes of Hazzard? Uh, bear with me now. i got to throw a little comic re uh, relief in here. Some of you about to die. But old Roscoe P. Coltrane was the sheriff of Hazzard County. Y'all remember that? What did he say to his deputy every time he got on the radio? He'd say, Enos... This is your superior officer speaking. He always had to tell Enos that he was the superior officer and that he was the inferior officer. Do you know why Roscoe did that? Because he had no confidence and he really wasn't in charge of anything. So when a man runs around going, I run the show, I run my house, nobody tells me what to do, that guy's a tyrant-type leader. He's like Nabal. He's a fool. And the people under him uh, are burdened because of the kind of leadership that he gives Oh, I don't want to be that way. Now, listen, we're about to run out of time in this lesson. I'm not through because there's a third type of leader, 
And we're going to look to the leader of all leaders to get our example. And that leader is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Because the Lord Jesus Christ made this statement. He said, the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister. Did you get that? You see, the tyrant-type leader, like Nabal and the kings of the Gentiles, they rule for what they can get out of it. They are the benefactors. They're the ones that benefit. Jesus Christ came to lead, but he did not come for the people underneath him to minister to him, but rather he came to minister to them. And sir, if you're a husband, if you're a preacher, a pastor, if you're in a position of authority as a man... You don't want to be Ahab, the infant, and you don't want to be Nabal, the tyrant. Oh, our example is none other than the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. He is the type of leadership that we would call servant leadership. And we will talk about that in our next lesson. Thank you for listening. Tune in again next time as we look more at leadership and the role of men and the kind of men that we're supposed to be. May the Lord bless you as you serve him.